as to what it means to be in God's presence. One time I heard a worship leader say, let's come before the Lord and bow our hearts and, and quiet our hearts. And I thought, well, which do you want me to do, come before the Lord or quiet my hearts? You know, because sometimes I think in God's presence there's going to be this, there's going to be this hush. There's going to be like, we're in the presence of God. We have nothing to say. And then sometimes I think when we're in God's presence in heaven, it's going to be loud and there's going to be all kinds of excitement. Hey, what's going on? Oh, God is, everybody's gathered around God, you know, and, and uh, as we thought about that song, I, what Greg said, you know, in the beginning, how David, on the way to the temple, they would sing. And I thought, yeah, see, I remember as a kid saying, hey, you got to learn to start being quiet because we're heading to church. And, and I go back and forth. I'm saying that because... Um, <clears throat> I want you to be excited this morning because we are talking about something that it should be old hat for us, but if you're like me, because I'm a sinner saved by grace, this, what we're talking about this morning in this whole series is just so exciting, it's, it's life-changing, it's revolutionary, and, and as we prepare this, and Derek, Kevin, and I, there's no words that we can put into, you know, that we can say that explain the depth of what we're talking about. I mean, it is, it is just truly life-changing. We are a seven, week seven into a nine-part series. If you're here visiting, our lead pastor, Tim Rogers, is away on sabbatical, and um, uh, Kevin and, and uh, Kevin Hackett, Derek Slabel, and I have been kind of tag-teaming, and it's been a lot of fun to, to speak with uh, these guys and look at this passage together. Um, and uh, this morning, going to do something a little different, and we're going to go through the passage. We're going to look at a lot of other passages that kind of relate to this, and uh, then I'm going to ask you to do something in. I'm just going to tell you now. I debated this, but I'm going to tell you now. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. We don't do that a lot in our culture, in our congregation, but it's hard to finish this chapter and not be left with the question about, okay, God, am I really ready to be all in? And I'm going to give you an opportunity. Certainly coming forward doesn't mean that uh, you're better than those that don't come forward. It doesn't mean by coming forward that you're going to be able to do it, you know, 100% right. We just want to acknowledge in our family here before God that, hey, God, I, I want to be all in. And so if God is tugging in your heart in this past six weeks and this morning, then I'll give you an opportunity to kind of come and respond. Um, so let me get organized, all the things that I have to do here. So we're in a series called All In, Pursuing Christ Above All. And just a quick review, chapter one, we talked about uh, the supremacy of Christ. We talked about how Jesus is the exact representation of God, and he contains all the fullness of God. We talked about how he is supreme over all creation, and he, all things were created by him, for him, and through him, and, and really that because he is above all, when he died on the cross for our sins, he was enough. There's nothing else we need other than Jesus. And we talked about how by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, that he reconciled us to God. And then chapter 2, we talked about how when we were dead in our sins, because of what Christ did, he made us alive in Christ. We talked about how because Jesus canceled the written code that stood opposed to us, that he washed away all of our sins, and then we too have been brought into the fullness of God. Talked about how Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead, and we are now brought into that fullness because of our identity in Christ. And then we get to chapter 3, and this is the all-in chapter. Kevin started last week, and this is Paul saying, okay, I've given you the theory, I've given you the content, I've given you the why, and, and now it's, it's, uh, 
It's all in. Time to be all in. So this chapter is full of all kinds of things about how we can live an all-in life. And that's where we find ourselves today. If you have your Bibles and you want to open to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be going through <coughs> excuse me, uh, this chapter today, particularly verses 5 through 17. And in this chapter, Paul uses a, a clothing metaphor. And he's kind of saying, okay, since you are now made alive in Christ, then there's things that you need to put off. And there's things that you need to put on. It's sort of like branding. You know, you see people and, uh, and not, you know, sometimes people, they represent a certain brand. Like, like for some reason, I have a whole biking gear that when, sometimes I ride, everything is gore. And I joke and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Gore's representative and they're paying me to go on this bike ride. They're not actually, I, I paid them to go on the bike ride. <clears throat> but you know, sometimes you see people and you're like, oh, they're a, pick, pick the branding of clothing that you like. And I'm going to name some, probably going to get me in trouble, but you know, oh, look, they're a Hollister type person, right? Uh, they're, they're a Gap person. Um, they're uh, this person, they're this person because they have that identity of that clothing. And sometimes when celebrities, especially sports celebrities, especially when it comes to basketball sneakers, you know, they, they represent, they brand a certain type of shoe. And then young people and older people go out and buy that. And so they have now shoes are actually named after sports people, right? Look at my, and you, you, you can talk about what they are. And, and that's what Paul is getting at here is that, okay, because we're made alive in Christ, because we have a new identity in Christ, there has to be a different brand. Like when people look at you, they ought to say, oh, yeah, oh, they're one of those made in life in Christ people. I've seen them before. Oh, I know what they look like. I know the, how they act. I know what clothing they wear. Yep, I can spot them. Just like we ought to be able to spot, oh, they're, they're wearing the old self-clothing. Yeah, that's not somebody who's made in life in Christ. And so Paul goes through this chapter, put off this and put on this using <clears throat> this clothing metaphor. And the challenge that he gives us is, if you have decided to be all in in Christ, then you have to change your branding. And you have to put on <clears throat> um, things and, and take off things. And by the way, what he's about to say is not open for negotiation. He's not saying that, hey, if you're going to put on a new wardrobe, if I can stick with this metaphor, it's okay if you want to keep your favorite socks. That's okay. It's okay if you kind of put on the, the pants, but yeah, you like your favorite shirt from the past, just wear that favorite shirt, that's all right. As you see as we walk through this, there's not a lot of negotiation, there's not a lot of option that we, we are not to keep anything that represents our old self. Because positionally, and we're going to talk about this, positionally, we already have all these things he tells us to clothe ourselves with, and experientially, he's encouraging us to do that. And so, before we get started, i got to share a moto statement. And uh, you don't know what this means, but you've been around people like this, especially if they're in uh, you know, upper elementary, middle school. When I was in junior high school, I was notorious for saying the obvious things, like, if it's deep snowing like this all night long, we're going to get a lot of snow. And because I would make these obvious statements, my dad's family started calling me Moto, master of the obvious. <clears throat> I would make one of these statements, and they would say, thanks, Moto. And uh, <laughs> so every once in a while, by the way, nobody knows this, now you all do. When I hear something like that, I'll say, oh, Moto. You know, they're like, what? But, you know, I got this nickname of Moto. And it's funny, because I must not have changed, because knowing that I was going to be preaching this yesterday, I didn't even think about it, and I said to Claudia, I said this statement, you know, it was sunny all day until it started raining. 
And I was like, there's another moto statement. You know, I just, the, the uh, master of the obvious. So this morning, I want to make a kind of obvious statement for you this morning. And here it is. That you have to be all out of one thing before you can be all in on another. And that's what we're going to talk about. You have to be all out on the old self if you're going to be all in on the new self. You have to be all out of the old way of living life if you're going to be all in on this new life in Christ. You can't pick and choose. You can't mix and match. You know, you can't mix brandings. It just doesn't work. It's sort of like wearing, I guess you can now, but striped pants and checkered shirt, right? You just, you got to coordinate this. And in order for us to be all in on Christ, we have to be all in on our old way of living. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll start in verse, uh, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 3, verse 5, where he says, um, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Here's some examples. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself. There's that language. Rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is in all. Christ is all and is in all. So he lists all these things, and he says, these are characters of the old self. And a couple times in that passage, and he says, yeah, this isn't you. It used to be you. This used to be how you would describe yourself. But... But you're no longer that way anymore. So you can't do that. You need to take these off. You need to put these off. You need to shed those socks, shed that shirt, you know, take off that you know, jacket of the old self because that's not you anymore. And when you see these characteristics in somebody, you think, oh, okay, this is somebody who's not been made alive in Christ. This is kind of the, the brand that they live by. And so the challenge for you and I as we look at this list is to say, which one of those do you still clothe yourself with? This is introspection, but you look at that and ask yourself that question. Because if I'm to be all in on Christ, I have to take this off. Which one of these is hardest for me? Some of those, you'll look at those and you'll say, yeah, that's kind of easy. In fact, when you see somebody else that doesn't take that off, you're like, well, what's their problem? I got it down pretty easy. I'm not involved in sexual morality, but man, you should see me slandering my friend or my neighbor or that person. You know, I don't really give in to evil desires, but boy, do I have a filthy mouth when I'm not in church. All these things, Paul says, are characteristic of people who are no longer made alive, and who, are no, who are not made alive in Christ, and encourages the Colossians to take them off. He says three times, you used to be, but you're not. Take this off because you don't this is not how, and these are characters of the old self. And then he goes on and he gives us the characteristic of the new self. And he said, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself, there's that metaphor again, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you, 
and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I could go through every single one of those and walk through word by word and tell you what it means, but I feel like most of us have been believers for a long time, so we're kind of past that. So I'm just going to lay them out there. These are characteristics of the new self. Paul says, because you are God's chosen people, because you have been redeemed through Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross, and by the way, you are dearly loved and you are holy, you are set apart. You're holy, remember, we're holy because God's holy. Because of that, here's the branding you need to follow. Here's what you need to clothe yourself with. And a couple times he says things like, and do this because that's what the Lord did for you. And do this because you're part of God's family. And, and, and speak this way because, of, because when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are all in with Christ, and you're part of his family, this is what you should look like. So you ought to see somebody walking down the street. When they start to, to demonstrate these characteristics, you should say, huh, they have the Jesus socks on. Oh, yeah, they got the God shirt on. Not because there's a shirt that says, you know, victory in Jesus, but because they're demonstrating putting on that new clothing. And so the question for me and you as I look at this list is a very practical message this morning. Which one of those characterize me? Or which one of those are difficult for me to do? And again, these are not negotiable, so I can't say, well, I'm willing to show kindness to most people. I'm willing to live at peace, but not with her, <laughs> not with him. I'm willing to show gratitude, but not when somebody else gets more than I do. You know, we can't pick and choose. This is the clothing that we are to put on if we are followers of Christ. Paul is <clears throat> passionate about this topic and these verses that we read should sound familiar. And all through his, his uh, letters that he wrote to the churches, he echoes this. And I'd like to walk you through and just read um, many of those because this isn't kind of a one-time thing where Paul picked one church and says, hey, you know what you guys ought to do? You guys ought to take off the old stuff and put on the new stuff because you're made alive in Christ. No, over and over and over again, every time Paul was talking to the churches he had the same message. So let's look at some of the passages. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you can obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. In Ephesians, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. 
But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things the wrath, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you, are, you do not do whatever you want. So, you are, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, I'm sorry, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Over and over and over again, Paul lays out this, this battle between the old self and the new self and encourages the believers in the church over and over to live by the Spirit, to live in the new self, to clothe themselves with this new way of living. And here's the battle. Positionally, you know, we have been given all the fullness of Christ. Because we are believers, you know, we stand before God, Hebrews says, as, as totally faultless. The problem is we're still humans. So experientially, you know, we are still needing to be renewed day by day, right? The sanctification process is still working in my life, and I'm sure it is in yours as well. Someday when we go home to be with him, then we'll experience what we call glorification, that we will be just like him. And so every day when I wake up, I have a decision to make. Am I going to follow the old, not, you're not the old self, but let me just, you know, the old <laughs> self, we're going to follow the uh, Peter Schaub, the old self or the new self? Am I going to listen to what my flesh tells me I want to do, what the world says I do, that says, hey, this is where you got to be, this is what you got to do, or am I going to listen to what God says? And here's the thing, believe it or not, I do have a choice. Believe it or not, I have the ability in Christ to land over here, to say, when I get up this morning, I'm clothing myself in this, in his righteousness. But oftentimes, I find myself over here. I find myself saying, okay, I know that I'm all in for Christ, but I just need to be all in for me right about now. See, there's something going on that I can't process. There's something going on that I think is unfair. There's something going on that really entices me. So I'm going to clothe myself in the old self. And Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, you cannot do that and call yourself all in. And through all these verses to all the churches that he has spoken to, he's challenged in the same way. But here's the thing. Why is it so difficult for me to be all in? Intellectually, I get it. Like, I'm reading chapters one, and I'm reading chapters two, and I buy into that. You know, like, you don't have to convince me that Christ is worth me being all in for, and what he offers is worth it, 
and I want to be all in. And I get to chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm like, yep, I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm looking forward. You know, I know that I'm hidden in Christ, and I know it's where I'm heading. And then I start to get to verse 5, and I'm like, okay, that's what I want to do, but I don't always do it. Why is it so difficult? Because in order for us to be all in for Jesus, we requires us to do something. Why is it so difficult? I think for two reasons. One is because what the devil tries to do is to get us to justify some of the old patterns. He doesn't mind. He, he knows that we're made alive in Christ. So he knows that we're, you know, he knows the end game. He knows that we're going to heaven. He knows that, you know, our life is in Christ now. But he gets us to say, hey, listen, can't you just leave one sock on? I mean, you've been wearing that sock since you were like in second grade. I mean, it fits you perfectly. Can't you just leave? Who's even going to know? Just wear boots over it. Nobody will even see it. And then he lures us to thinking that, yeah, you know what? Okay, I'm going to wear the pants and the shirt and the jacket and the hat and the gloves and the scarf. And everybody's going to be like, wow, look at Chuck. He's so sold out. Isn't he wonderful? He could preach a sermon. He could lead the community. And nobody will even see that sock. Just keep it there. Keep it there, buddy. That sock means a lot to you. And I fall for it. And my guess is you do the same thing to you. He says, hey, put on that nice shirt. Put on that nice shirt. But keep that T-shirt underneath. That's yours. I mean, you worked hard for that. No, no one can tell you can't wear that. Besides, no one's even going to know. It's just your own little T-shirt. I mean, it's your security thing. Just hold on to that, man. But put the other shirt on. It's fine. And then you do it. And we fall for it. We say, hey, I'm all in. Everybody looks at us, and they're like, wow, Chuck's all in. I could pick on other names. It's easy to pick on me. I don't want to start picking on people. You know, and and, uh, this person's all in, and she's all in, and it looks that way. But because I look like I have the clothing of an all-in person, but I'm still hanging on to the old self. And that's one of the best lies the devil teaches us, is that you can be all in without being all in. And you can put it all on. And still not take it all off. And then when he can't get us there, he does one more thing. This one's even greater than the first one. He gets us to think that we're not worthy of being all in. See, here's what happens. Oh, I'm sorry, let me say this statement. To be all in for Jesus requires you to see yourself as Christ sees you. Another moto statement, right? To be all in for Jesus requires you to see yourself as Christ sees you. Because here's what happens. This is how I want to see myself. I want, I want to be compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient and forgiving and loving and peaceful and thankful and truthful and grateful and Christ-focused. I want to be all those things. None of those do I wake up and say, uh, I don't really want to be truthful today. I think I'm going to spend the day lying. No, this is what I want as, as a follower of Christ, as an all-in disciple of his. I want these things. But often, this is how I see myself. Because the devil has that, you know, I'm going to go old school on you. The devil has that, you know, tape recorder he likes to push play, you know, and um, <clears throat> just to remind me of times when I was all these things. And then he subtly gets in my head and says, you can play the game being all in, but you'll never be all in. God will never want you to be all in because of who you are because of what you've done, because of what you're going to do. And he loves to remind me of my humanity. 
He loves to remind me of every morning when I wake up of that struggle that I'm going to have today. Am I going to put on the old self or the new self? And when I start to put on the new self, he says, you can wear that, but that ain't going to change anything because I know who you really are. And then sometimes I say, yeah, you're right. Forget that shirt. Let's go over here and put this one on. And sometimes I say, well, I'm still going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to try to see if I can go backwards here. I'm going to try to have all these things. Whoops, sorry. I'm going to try these, and I try, and I try, and I try, but this is where I end up. Because if the devil can't get me to compromise, then he's going to get me to feel like a failure. He's going to get me to feel like, buddy, all in people are for people that are holier than you. People that have more righteousness than you do, not you. And I don't know, maybe you've heard that lie. Maybe it's whispered in your ear. Maybe you believed it. Maybe right now you're living the lie. And you're like, hey, this all-in stuff has been really great, but you don't know the socks that I'm wearing. And there's no way I can take them off. You know, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I would love to be all-in, but I can't because of what happened 10 years ago, five years ago, last week, because what I'm afraid I'm going to do next month, three years from now. And the devil wants us to remind us of our past. Now, I'm going to take a little, I think this is from Carmen, right? So I'm going to not do it as great as he did, but old school Carmen. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. And I want to encourage you with this. Positionally, we are already... Uh Uh-oh, hang on. Uh Uh-oh, hang on. If you're listening uh, later that I'm having trouble pushing these buttons... You've got to be kidding me. Okay, sorry. Okay. Oh, there it is. What was I going to say? <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Uh, that's the downside of AGD, by the way. Um, there's upsides, too. Okay, forget it. So, oh, positionally, I am already this. In Christ, I, I, I can already be all these things. Not because of me, but because of him. Second Timothy chapter, Second Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> Read it. Two, chapter 2 is great as well. But we're going to talk about chapter 1. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We already have it. His divine power. Not only did Christ cancel the legal code, but He gave me the ability to live in His righteousness because of His power. And so I am already these things positionally, and I can be these today. When I'm faced with, am I going to put on the new self or the old self? I can do these. Not me, but Christ who gives me strength. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. You know, this is one of those moments where if we were in the right kind of church, you guys would be saying amen. You know, amen. Yeah, preacher, brother. Ephesians chapter 2, ready? This is one we didn't read yet. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. The old self. That's who we were. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
made us alive with Christ, even we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, but a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship or God's masterpiece. God, through Jesus, can hold us up and say, this is an amazing person. Look how he is clothed in my son's righteousness. Positionally, I'm already there. And I have his power at my disposal to live that way this week. There'll be all kinds of things that the devil will try to do to, get, to lure me into the old self and to get me to think that I can't do it, that I'm not worthy. But I am. I want to show you a video now. It's a little long, I'll tell you that. And uh, it's a skit called The Chisels Kit. And it doesn't need explanation except the, the, the character, his name is Tommy. And as God is talking to him, I want you to be asking, we just asked the Holy Spirit to come here, right? In that last song, Holy Spirit, come here. And I want you to ask God's Spirit, hey, what is there about my life that you want to do the same thing to? Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What well, gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. 
You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, You compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. (laughs) I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. (sighs) Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away, because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is, you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. That hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, Allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning... I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. 
Now what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, just this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. 
I know, but it's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. We've been talking now seven weeks about being all in. And uh, Paul doesn't wrap up the book, but he wraps up this section by telling you how to live by all in, by saying, hey, you got to put off this and you got to put on this. And you got to live in the righteousness that you have because of Jesus Christ. But in order for me, in order for you to be all in, we have to see ourselves the way Christ sees us. I'm guessing that there's some people here this morning who say, yeah, I'd love to be all in. And then there's a but. And I want to give you an opportunity in a moment. We're going to, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a song called God is Able. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to join me up front. Not so that everybody looks at you and says, wow, they're so great. Or looks at you and says, whoa, I wonder what's going on there. That's not the purpose. Somebody might say that, but let's not worry about them. An opportunity for you to say, God, today I want to be all in. See, you haven't missed the boat. You haven't missed the train. You haven't missed the plane. You don't have to wait for another time around. Every single moment, you can step forward and say, God, I'm all in. Chisel away at me. Do what you need to do to help me to represent you. Next week, Kevin's going to share some practical guidelines for, for living in a house, relationships there. But you can't, even, you can't even do that if you're not all in. That's a byproduct of filling, fulfilling chapter three. And so I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to come up, and I want to encourage you. If you'd like to come forward, by coming forward, it's just going to be between you and God, but you're saying, God, I want to be all in, and I want to, to live in the new life that you have for me. And I want to put on all those characteristics that you so, your son died on a cross for me to have, and I want to live in them. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this passage where Paul is encouraging the church so many thousands of years ago. And God, it's still applicable for, for us today, for me. God, I want to be all in. And there's so many times when I feel like that what I have to offer is, is, is junk, and that I'm not your masterpiece, that I'm not fearfully and wonderfully made, that, that because I've done this or done that, that I've messed up and I, I've missed the mark. And, and God, I pray for myself, I pray for each one of us, that this morning, as we sing that God is able, 
that we would know you're able to take our life and make something beautiful out of it. And we give our life to you, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.